Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hockey Locker Podcast. I'm your host, The Flash. This is episode six. Interact with me on Twitter at hockey underscore locker or email me at hockeylockerpodcast at gmail.com. In this episode, we've got a lot of gear news uh, to uh, talk about and discuss, uh, and we're going to tackle uh, an important and interesting topic, uh, helmets and uh, concussion prevention. Um, Before we get into all of that, uh, I wanted to update you all on a review that I did a couple episodes ago on my Skate Fender uh, Compact Pro shot blockers. Uh, let you know about a little issue I had and a, and a really great customer uh, service experience that I had with the company. So basically what happened was I had an issue with one of the straps. Um, as I explained before, uh, there's a, the way these things connect to your skates, there's a little strap in the front um, that stays on your laces and then, and then it, uh, there's a, a strap that goes around the back. Um, the back of the skate and the the one that I had a problem with was the one going around the back of the skate and what basically happened is if you look at a picture of uh, what these these look like you know online where, where the strap comes around the plastic part and sort of loops back um, it's stitched together uh, and they're you know they are double stitched uh, in like a box pattern um, but on my uh, strap the um, stitching came apart and uh, I don't know when it happened. I just went to put them on, and and the stitching had come undone. Uh, so that was not great. Um, I I still wore them. What I ended up doing was using sock tape uh, to tape around them, and that actually worked just fine. But um, you know, I noticed right before a game, and so I, I had to play the game that way. But anyway, um, so that strap was no good. Uh, so here is where the the uh, fortunately very good customer service experience comes into play. Um, I emailed uh, the Skate Fender company via the website uh, on uh, Sunday. Uh, it, uh, I, I looked at my emails uh, before uh, recording and I just made sure the timing Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern time I emailed uh, just saying I had a problem with the strap and what can we do about this and uh, the next day, Monday, at 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, the company's in Michigan, so I guess it, I guess that's an hour back. So maybe 9 a.m. their time, I got an email uh, right away from uh, Frank McClelland, who I guess is the president of the company, um, and he said, "No problem, uh, we'll send you a new set of straps." The next day, he uh, put a, a full set of replacement straps, and by full set, I mean. Um, the, the, the front straps and the back straps for both skates. So I had got a full set of replacements. Um, and, uh, they came via priority mail very quickly. So I really can't ask for anything more than that. Um, it's basically a perfect customer service service experience. There was no way for him to make the strap instantly appear. Um, (laughs) so he did the next best thing, which is immediately sent it to me. Um, and it was great. So I really appreciate that. I think what I was more impressed with even more than uh, the quick response time was uh, Frank was interested in um, getting pictures from me of the strap to see what happened. And uh, he told me that he was going to talk to the production um, 
crew, I guess, or whoever it is that they have um, making these um, to try to fix the issue. So that was great. So of course I did that. I, I, you know, I took pictures as best I could. I think it pretty clearly showed the problem. I may even, I may even post the, one of those pictures up on the the Twitter account so you guys can see. Um, but, um, I, I was really impressed with that. Uh, so I got my straps. Uh, I've used those for three games. Um, I, I only replaced the one, um, but it's kind of cool. Worked out well for me because now I have basically a set of replacements that I can leave in my bag. Um, you know, these things weigh nothing and take up almost no room. So, you know, it's a nice little backup, uh, in case I have, have a problem. So great customer service, service experience, um, in, in my uh, estimation thus far, great company, uh, love the product, glad that it's made, uh, made in North America, um, and really happy with the response. So I wanted to let you guys, uh, know about that. So that said, um, let's roll right into uh, the news um, over the last week or so. It's actually been a, a few big um, new products hit the market. Um, I want to talk first about the Bauer React 100 helmet, uh, which hits stores on August 15th. Um, I had a chance. I didn't buy one, but I have a chance to uh, go out to my local hockey store and check it out in person, try it on and all that. And I've got some thoughts for you. Um, basically, um, the the React 100 is kind of a next step um, from the original React. I would say it's a very different helmet, but um, in terms of, you know, the, the particulars, uh, um, construction and whatnot, uh, the, the company is calling the liner system Suspend Tech 2, uh, I guess the, the next sort of evolution of the, the React um, setup. Uh, they talk in the marketing materials about protecting from rotational impacts. And we're, later in this episode, we're actually going to get in depth on, uh, on concussion talk. Um, so I'll leave that for now. But uh, interesting that they're marketing the rotational impacts. Um, uh, it's got the same toolless um, adjustment system, that one clip sort of in the middle of the top back top of the head, um, which, which works really well. Um, it's got those occipital lock um, sliders uh, basically on the side, uh, and they're calling um, the side pieces uh, inside the helmet, they're calling this your fit, um, I guess is the, 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 the name. Um, they're saying they're spring-loaded side foam uh, pieces. So that's sort of all the all the aspects that are are are, are being marketed. Um, so I did, like I said, I got to try it on. I tried it on in uh, medium, uh, the combo with the cage. Uh, I'm a medium in basically every yeah every Bauer helmet. Um, I I wear a medium. Um, this is what I thought trying it out. Um, Definitely, it's a different helmet than the React. This is not the same helmet. Very different. Um, uh, it had a much deeper fit, in my opinion. I liked it in a good way. It felt deeper um, and less bulky. Like I feel like I've I've had the React. Um, I've I've uh, and so I know kind of how it sits on my head. That felt like it sat very much sat on the top of my head, whereas the React 100 kind of came around my head. I felt like it had more of a kind of a 360 fit uh it felt very light this is even the combo um you know very light even even with the cage uh you know and the, those react cages have are i guess they're now titanium uh you know very light uh so that was great um it had 
a feeling that I'm not really sure how to describe. I wrote down when I first tried it on, I, I, I took notes on my phone and I wrote that it felt airy. Like it almost, it almost felt like it wasn't, um, uh, it, it wasn't, uh, like almost floating on top of my head. I, I can't even really explain it. The, the, the best, the best rationalization I guess I can have for the way it felt was it seemed like there weren't hard foams inside the helmet like like other helmets do so obviously if you take a helmet you know looking at the Bauer helmets like if you take a pure hard foam helmet like the um the 4500 um obviously that that's got that sort of dense feeling and some people like that so you know if that's your preference you know obviously uh, you know, everybody has their preferences, but but you just didn't have that feeling at all. But even more so, if you compare it to a helmet like the 7500, um, which is basically hard EPP foam with gel pads over top of it, you didn't even feel that. It's it's like when you're wearing a 7500, at least for me, I feel like, I feel like oh, I'm wearing a, a helmet with hard foam and gel pads in between. I can feel these pads, and then beyond that, I can feel the hard foam. You just didn't really feel that. So I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but it was a very sort of cushiony feel. Um, contrast that to the original React, I definitely felt like it was a different uh, feel. Uh, the React felt more like a like a hat, like a suspended hat. Um, and it, it sounded, it, it felt exactly like it was marketed, like with the suspend tech, that's how it felt. I, they've kind of eliminated that in this helmet, I think, where you felt the suspension, um, suspending material. So definitely worth trying, trying out obviously with helmets, helmets, you have to have to try on before you, you make a purchase. Um, it's simple as that got to have something that fits you, but absolutely worth checking out. Um, I think it's pretty cool that they are, um, uh, playing up the multicolor scheme, uh, I think that's neat. Uh, just to have a variety, uh, you know, so you can you can choose um, to go uh, uh, multicolor or not. Um, the ones in the store, uh, for the most part, uh, the store that I went to, um, the uh, the the models on the floor uh, for sale were multicolor, so you got you know got to see, see some of those combos. Um, kind of struck me that it would be pretty cool if in the future those colored uh, parts, the plastic parts, were interchangeable, so you could you could swap them out. But uh, in any event, I, I think it's kind of neat. Um, it's expensive helmet. Uh, it's uh, two sixty nine, I think, retail for the helmet itself. Uh, 309 for the combo, um, pricey, but, uh, but nice helmet. So, um, uh, let me know what you think if you've checked it out. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, I also got a chance to check out, uh, the other big launch, uh, from this week, the CCM super fast, uh, stick just dropped, uh, and, uh, got to check it out in person. Didn't get to shoot with it, but, uh, got to check it out. Um, this stick, sort of the main selling point is what they're calling speed pocket blade technology. And if you read the marketing speed pocket blade technology means more COR, higher COR, more, more COR, COR, uh, if you're not familiar with it, um, is, uh, coefficient of restitution. Uh, it is a term that if you are a golfer, you've probably been familiar with for many years because uh, it's been a huge part of golf driver marketing. Um, the basic concept is um, how springy is a surface. That's, that's, 
the way I can sum it up um, uh, best. Um, and in golf, uh, there's actually a rule limitation on the springiness of a surface. Um, so how much, uh, when they talk about coefficient of restitution, it's, it's sort of like how much energy um, is um, uh, uh, on the reverse reaction. So if you strike a, a, a ball, um, the ball itself in golf compresses and, and decompresses, and, and that's you know, gets part of the velocity, but also the, the face of the driver itself springs back and then springs forward. So it's how much of that spring forward, um, is maintained, um, in the swing. And there's a limit on that, uh, because the golf, uh, powers that be don't want there to be these like trampoline drivers, uh, where, you know, the ball's going 450 yards or something like that. So, but now for hockey, <laughs> for hockey, they're marketing it as, you know, more, more COR means more speed off the blade. Um, and, you know, there may be uh, um, truth to that. I, I don't, I, there's so many complex, so much complex physics going on um, in, in, in a hockey shot. Um, you know, it, it's hard to, hard to know what's marketing hype and what's, uh, what's real. But anyways, that's what they, they talk about there. Um Again, I didn't shoot it, so just uh, seeing it in person, um, I can tell you that it looks really cool. Uh, I like this kind of um, different direction with the red bottom. You know, it's it's going to be for some people. It's not going to be for others. I just think it's neat to have something different out there so that if you want to try something new. Uh, one thing I saw in person was the red bits um, on the bottom, the blade and everything, have kind of like a metallic... I don't know if it's metallic, but it's kind of like a metallic sheen to it that doesn't, this doesn't really come across in the photos. In the photos, it looks like a, a straight red, um, but it's definitely like, not quite like a car metallic, um, but it's just like, it's close. I'm, I can't think of the equivalent. Um, it was neat. I mean, just kind of interesting looking. Um, another thing I noticed was the grip on the grip model was extremely tacky. Uh, and this was on the attack stick also. Uh, so I don't know if this is newer. I can't tell if it's new or not, uh, or the same as with the RBZ or the RBZ2, but very, very tacky grip, which I like, by the way. I, I prefer grip uh, on my sticks, but uh, um, it was a lot like that Reebok, like grip tonight, like the very, very tacky um, grip. There's no texture on the shaft, um, unlike, you know, um, Bauer uh, has like the spiral tack or whatever they call it, so the kind of lets you have like grippy, but, but not super grippy. So again, this is all personal preference on, but on the uh, super fast, it's a, um, very much all grip all the way around. A lot of surface area on this shape of the shaft to, to grip. Um, so if you like that, uh, that's something for you. Of course they have a no grip model, uh, also. Um, so my main complaint, I guess, about CCM, uh, has nothing to do with this stick. It's, uh, it's their curve choices. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, I guess you got to give it to them. They, if they, if the goal here is established their curves as standards, um, you know, I guess I get that. I don't know if I, I would personally advocate for that strategy, but if that's what they're doing, fine. Um, my problem is as somebody who would be a customer of their one piece sticks, they don't have my curve. Um, you know, I use the PM nine, um, and they don't have it. Uh, at least as far as I can tell, um, they don't even have a standard P92. I think their Nugent Hopkins curve is similar, but not exactly the same. I mean, to me, that's kind of shocking <laughs> um, because it, it's, again, I, I may not be right on this, but I just think from 
my own observations, just anecdotally, I can tell you those seem to be the two, by far the two most popular curves around. Um, so it seems like you're closing out a good bit of the market. Um, unless, uh, unless a huge portion of the market just says, ah, I'll just take whatever curve, you know, something that looks similar. Um, I'm not too picky. So I don't know about that. Uh, it would be nice if all the companies just kind of agreed to a standard set of curves that they were going to produce sticks in, um, be, be better for us, especially since we're seeing sort of a phase out of the, um, shaft and blade, presence um in the market uh which is which is what i along with a lot of people my age i think grew up um or started to use uh, as uh, they came out growing up you know that with the aluminum shafts and the blades and then it was all shaft and blade for a long long time until this one piece thing um kind of took off so i don't know those are, that's just my thought on that um uh and and it, it it's frustrating because one of the aspects of this super fast stick, which was on the RBZ and the RBZ2, is this constant flex profile, which I loved. I mean, I, I did get to use uh, an RBZ with a Nugent Hopkins curve um, and didn't love the curve, but it shot great. Um, you know, with that, um, that constant flex, I think that really makes a difference. I, when I had one, I consciously made an effort to try shooting with my hand low, hand high, mess around with that. It, it, that is actually definitely a real piece of, uh, of tech that, uh, that makes a big difference. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know, well, I'll see how the, uh, this, <laughs> you know, they're, they're still going with this, um, overlap between the hockey and the golf marketing. Um, so which seemed to start with the RBZ kind of tying it in with TaylorMade. Um, and I don't know, I, they're still doing it. So I guess it's working for them. I, I, I found it very curious, uh, when they, they started with that, uh, when CCM started with this marketing. Um, I just wondered what the overlap was between the two or if there was enough overlap uh, so that the two brands could assist each other or, and not dilute um, one or the other. I mean, they're both quality brands, uh, you know, so I, I don't know that there's a huge concern for um, diluting the market, but um, they're still going with it. So it's, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that plays out. So that's the CCM super fast stick. Um, so uh, another quick note I wanted to to throw out there, and I'll put a link up to this. Uh, one thing I saw is kind of cool. Bauer uh, recently came out with a line of uh, goalie masks. I'm not a goalie. I've said it before. I hardly know anything about goal, goalie equipment or goaltending or anything. Um, but uh, I saw these, these masks caught my eye, and I had to say something about it. Um, they, they came out with a line of Star Wars graphic goalie masks which i think is really cool you can get boba fett yoda luke darth vader <laughs> and stormtroopers um it's their bauer it's bauer's nme3 mask which i guess is a kind of a low level like an entry level mask it's 229 bucks um i guess it's targeted at beginner goalies or or, or entry level goalies um i just thought it was kind of cool because I mean I'm a dork and I like Star Wars, but also um, it's an interesting test into another crossover market. You know, just talked about golf and and hockey, but uh, um, curious how it's going to play itself out. I mean, it's not being marketed at kids; it's being marketed at, as adults. Um, so any sort of attempt at uh, at crossover marketing like this always kind of interests me. So I want to pay attention to this uh, going forward and see if it's successful or not. Um, should be neat to see. Finally, very last uh, uh, item to bring up in news, um, 
just because I'm excited about it. I saw a picture tweeted, uh, tweeted, <laughs> a picture on uh, Twitter uh, from uh, Easton of a special edition version of the V9 stick. This might be old news to some people, but I was excited about it. And it, they kind of teased a metallic graphics package uh, for the V9, uh, which is cool. Um, I uh, It would make me want to try it. Um, this is really geeky, but... Um, you know, I always really dug the, uh, SE 16 stick. I mean, a lot of people love that stick, um, just for the performance, but, um, I thought that had like the best stick graphics ever. The, the like metallic with the blue was awesome. Uh, um, I wish I could find those in <laughs> my flex and curve. I would, I'd probably buy a few if I could find some out there, uh, you know, new ones. Um, but anyway, uh, We'd, I think it would behoove Easton to, to try to play off of that a little bit. They had such a huge following. It's always surprised me that they haven't gone back and reissued sticks in like retro graphics um, uh, or, uh, you know, or something like that. I mean, I, I know tons of adult league guys uh, that would jump all over that. So anyway, check out that picture. I'll try to post a link um, to that on Twitter as well. Um, so that's the, the gear news for this week. If you've heard about anything else um, that you thought was interesting uh, that I you think I should check out, uh, please uh, get me on Twitter. The account to follow is at hockey underscore locker, or you can email me at hockey locker podcast. That's all one word at gmail.com. Okay, so we're going to jump into kind of a heavy topic, um, but I think it's an important topic for um, anybody uh, interested in their own safety uh, out on the ice or uh, parents who have kids uh, that are playing hockey or anybody that's uh, interested in gear um, in general. Uh, I want to talk about helmets um, and whether or to what extent they stop or uh, help prevent concussions. Um, the reason um, I wanted to talk about this is there was a recent article uh, in the New York Times, uh, July 22nd. Um, there's an article about uh, Virginia Tech um, and uh, how its uh, engineers, there's a team there that is interested in looking at hockey helmets uh, in the same way that they have looked at football helmets for the last uh, three or almost four years. Um, Virginia Tech developed something they called this, they call the STAR, S-T-A-R, STAR system, which is a five-point rating scale for football helmets. They developed this in 2011. The STAR uh, stands for um, uh, an interesting <laughs> title, Summation of Tests for the Analysis of Risk. It's a little generic, but um, that's what it stands for. Basically, what they did uh, is they looked at uh, studies that um, examined impacts uh, to players over the course of a football season. They assumed uh, approximately 1,000 impacts um, on a football player's head per season, um, split up uh, into various frequencies for the front, rear, side, and top of the head. Um, and, uh, using that data, they sort of, um, uh, 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 are combined with, uh, physically testing the impact of the helmet. Um, they, uh, sort of extrapolate an overall risk of concussion over the course of a, uh, season. Uh, so one limitation to mention right off the bat uh, on this, um, system is, uh, and they of course 
are upfront about this and, and mentioning it is the, the system only tests linear impacts, not rotational impacts. There's been a lot of discussion uh, uh, in the news on concussions and in marketing on uh, on safety equipment about rotational impacts um, versus linear. And I mean, obviously, when we're talking about the two, linear would be a straight on, you know, headbutt into the wall. Um, rotational is, uh, you know, sort of a sideways twisting move, um, where you, you smash the side of your head into the wall and it twists your head sideways. It, it, you know, when you look at the, the, um, the way Virginia Tech addresses the difference between the two, they talk about, um, I think the plain way of saying this is they're basically saying like, well, um, yes, our methodology, uh, methodology, uh, methodology, uh, wow, can't talk. Methodology uses linear impacts when we test the helmets. Um, there's a high correlation between linear impacts and rotational impacts out in the real world. So what is the, you know, what is the overall deficiency in the study? We don't know, but maybe we can, um, modify our system to include rotational impacts in the future. Okay. So if you look at, and I, I won't belabor all of this, you know, I'll put up a link to some articles on this, but um, there's some very interesting things about just the data that they collected on football impacts over the season. I mean, this system assumes, based on actual data, that every player will uh, incur at least one impact per season per location on the head, which is the equivalent of a 60 inch drop. That's, that's five feet. Um, and, uh, so that's like literally dropping your head five feet to the ground, to a hard surface. Um, and they estimate two impacts like that per season on the top of the head. So that's dropping yourself, hanging upside down five, your head is five feet off the ground. You drop yourself straight down to the ground five feet that happens twice in every football players season that's crazy um assuming it's true and then then there are three impacts like that every season from 48 inches which is four feet high that's pretty intense um so that's some of the data they use but check out the the documentation to to if you really want to understand it um this Ratings. So basically, what what happens is the rating system, uh, they they test, they physically test the helmets. They they use the the data on um, a, a typical um, football player season. They extrapolate this number that basically means how many concussions can you expect to incur over the course of a season. The less number of concussions you you can expect to occur. Um, the higher the star rating. So five is the highest and, and one is the lowest. Okay. Um, it's interesting. This is very quickly after a period of fighting this system. Uh, it was very quickly embraced by the football helmet manufacturers. Um, and they saw a dramatic increase in the sales of five star helmets and a dramatic decrease in the sale of one star helmets. So more on that in a minute. I think that's really interesting. But um, in terms of how this relates to hockey, um, uh, according to the article, Virginia Tech has been working to adapt this system to hockey uh, for about a year now. Um, and uh, I found it very interesting. Uh, in its press materials, uh, Virginia Tech 
uh, sort of illustrates the difference between hockey helmets and football helmets. What they did is they cut one of each in half, um, uh, long ways, you know, from, from front to back. And they put them next to each other and they're saying, look at this dramatic difference in how, um, these, there's this thin, hard layer of foam in a hockey helmet versus this big cushiony layer of, uh, softness in the football helmet. <laughs> well, if you look at the picture, uh, and again, I'll try to link the article so you can see it. Um, they picked the, what was a five-star rated, um, football helmet and they put it up against the Bauer 4,500, <laughs> like the, the, the most comically, um, thin, protection there is on the market um in hockey helmets i just think that was an interesting choice you know the, the they're trying to make their point you know the, these are scientists these are engineers but i just think it's a little funny that they're trying to make their point where you know what they could have done was they could have taken one of what's considered to be a top-end helmet in hockey versus the top-end uh football helmet I, granted we don't have a rating system yet but you know they could have taken if they if you look at the picture the football helmet looks a lot like the ccm resistance actually on the inside with those those pods um so um anyway i just an observation they wanted a dramatic example and they got it um so this is what's interesting to me what i'm asking myself what if you play this out what would be the effect of a rating system like this on the hockey helmet market, um, I think it would be huge. I mean, I can't, I can't think of why it might be really any different than in the the football industry. Um, you know, uh, there's such a big push in pro hockey, certainly in the NHL on concussion awareness there's so much in the news and and oh we could have a whole other segment talking about this you know um uh you know this concussion awareness and and what it really means you know in terms of liability for <laughs> for the leagues but i'll save that for another day um but you know the nfl 100 percent embraced this star system um in football um it read in the article that they're, they post the ratings in the nfl locker rooms um, I think the NHL would absolutely would em embrace this as well. Um, I think there's a concern though, um, because it, it sort of implicates, um, marketing strategy in, in some ways, you know, um, think of it this way. How do you know a helmet is a five-star helmet? The only way to have a five-star helmet is, that's the best one to buy is to have one that's worse, um, to have a one-star helmet to compare it to. So in a way, there's kind of a perverse incentive where the manufacturer's best strategy is to have some, maintain some low-rated line to contrast against the high-rated line, um, which I think is just odd, um, but, you know, whatever. Um, I definitely think we can expect to see prices go up even higher on the top end models. I mean, right now I, I talked earlier in this episode, the Bauer react has come on the market this week at $269 for the helmet alone and $309 for the combo. I think it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy already. Um, I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if you're an economist, then you are saying, well, 
um, you know, Bauer wouldn't charge that amount if that, you know, uh, um, th this is the market setting this price, the market uh, demands, uh, you know, this, this sort of high tech helmet, Bauer has put X number of dollars into R&D, uh, they need to charge what they need to charge um, for the helmet, I get all of that. Um, but again, it kind of raises a red flag when you have um, the ability for companies to say, well, um, you're getting this superior protection out of this um, helmet, uh, or you're getting the the most protection available out of this helmet, um, and so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna charge you more just because it, you know, it's it's better protective. I, I don't know. I think there's a, sort of a problem there. Uh, at least it, not so much a problem, but again, like kind of a red flag. Um, so where am I going with this? Um, it seems to me like. Uh, it would be really helpful to have further study um, on in football and in hockey and in any sport that, that involves impacts um, like they do. Um, there's only one real article, I think, out there um, that anybody that I can find is really talking about. Um, and um, it's an article from the Jour Journal of Neurosurgery uh, from April 2014, um, which, again, is the only article that... I think specifically tried to look at whether helmets actually have an effect on concussions um, in, in any way, not just comparing the comparative um, protection of helmets to, to one another, but whether they have an overall, uh, make an overall difference in um, concussion prevention. And basically what they found is a significant risk uh, reduction in the risk of concussion between users of a high-end helmet from uh, Riddell. Is it Riddell? I don't know how you pronounce it. Riddell, I guess. A high-end Riddell helmet and a, and a low-end um, Riddell helmet. Um, it's a little confusing if you look at the study because they say that they um, looked at over a million impacts, I think over 1.2 million impacts um, over the course of the study, but there were only 64 concussions diagnosed. Um, out of those 1.2 million impacts, that doesn't seem right just based on anecdotal um, sort of observation. Uh, that that seems kind of weird. So I'm not I'm not sure what's going on with that. Um, I'm not smart enough to know uh, how to how to break this down. But it's worth looking at if you can figure it out. And you can you please get back to me and tell me if you you understand it more than I do. I mean, from a layperson's perspective, the concept in general. I have trouble with um, just the engineering sort of doesn't make sense. It's it's the best way I can think of it is this: if you have like a, a, a water balloon, I mean we know we know what a we know what a concussion is. I think most people have heard enough about it. it's you know there's an impact. The brain strikes the inside of the skull basically um, and causes swelling. So then you have a concussion, and there can be varying varying levels of concussions. Um, so. You know, I'm thinking about like a water balloon with like a golf ball inside, right? And you're trying to, it's not enough to just protect the balloon from bursting if you drop it, right? It's not enough to protect your skull. It, um, we have to stop the golf ball inside the water balloon from hitting the rubber balloon from the inside while it's suspended in water. I mean, that's what we're talking about. You have to stop the brain from. Uh, impacting the hard skull while it's suspended in, in a fluid. Um, so <laughs> uh, I can't think of any way that you can actually test this 
in a reliable way unless you have a human head analog. Um, somebody has to design something where the materials have the right fluid properties, the right densities and all that. Um, if you don't, uh, you know, just, you know, some fake head with, with all this stuff inside that you can just smash around and, and measure, measure whether the, the fake brain hits the inside of the fake skull. I don't know another way you really do it. Um, because, um, it seems like what the scientists that are looking at this are doing is they're going off of data that they've collected. They're basically saying, this is how hard players are getting hit. And this is how many concussions are getting diagnosed when they're hit this hard. So this is the risk of concussion. Um, and I don't know, there, there seems to be a logical disconnect there, uh, for me. Um, and, uh, and so I just, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know that it's a, con a question of whether a helmet can prevent a concussion or reduce the risk of concussion. I think it's more to what extent can they reduce concussion? I mean, I, I do think all the scientists acknowledge you're not going to prevent all, all concussions, um, especially in these sports with, with such heavy hitting, uh, such hard hitting, um, you know, so it's more like to what extent are they going to make a difference? Um, and, I don't know. Okay. How, how much of a difference can it make in hockey? I just don't know. Again, I'm just not smart enough. It, it's the fastest contact sport there is. There's hard surfaces all over the place. There's stuff you can soften up. They've done it, you know, softening up the glass. Uh, so it has some give. Um, they've in, in the NHL, they've softened up the shoulder pads. Um, I actually don't know. I'd be curious to know whether in, uh, you know, um, youth leagues and stuff like that they they make you go with the soft um uh, softer shoulder pads um i mean you can't soften the ice the ice is always going to be there helmet to helmet is always going to be there um so i don't know where are we going with this bottom line is i think this type of system is coming this type of a rating system uh whether it can't comes from virginia tech or elsewhere certainly seems like virginia tech has the momentum they built up what it seems like a big uh, reputation um their say so in the football world seems to have a huge um impact uh haha impact see what i did there um <laughs> uh they um the uh, you know the article talks about um you know parents have basically gone crazy for this they've they've gone gaga over five star helmets um and why wouldn't you i mean if you put yourself in the shoes of a parent um you know why you know, I don't know what the price differences are. I should have looked it up. I don't know what the price difference is between a one-star helmet and a five-star. five, five star. I mean, once it gets that one-star rating, it's got to be worth nothing, right? But, you know, if you're a parent and you're saying, I want the most protection for my kid, uh, it's going to be hard to, to cut corners, um, especially on the helmet. So there's a huge demand for this type of system. Um, the companies who who fought this originally they actually stand to gain from this i think that the validation of a five-star rating um is huge for a company um it, it's a big endorsement you know from virginia tech that don't discount that um i think parents and customers think they stand to gain from this system i just don't know i think they want to know what's the best one out there the the concern here is will this result in over marketing of the safety of of gear is it is it appropriate to say um I, you know this helmet has a five-star rating so can you say this is the safest on the market it's the safest it can be i guess that's okay if it's got the highest rating this is the safest one you can buy 
um, you, you know, can you say in any, in any form that this piece of gear prevents this injury? I think that's totally inappropriate to lead people into believing that a piece of gear prevents a particular, um, injury, certainly with helmets. Um, so, uh, you know, you hope that companies are responsible with their marketing. You hope that customers are doing what they can to be educated about the risks and benefits of, um, you know, this stuff before they purchase. And that's all you can, all you can really hope for. Um, you know, so this is a pretty controversial topic. You know, I really want to know what, what you all think. Um, I would love to hear your feedback. Um, you can reach me, uh, on the Twitter account or on email. Uh, I'd really like to know, uh, what your thoughts are on this. Um, especially on, on the, you know, there's only so much we can do. I mean, if you're a scientist out there and you've done studies like this, or you're, you're an engineer and you know, this, uh, area, please, please give us, uh, give us some information. Um, uh, you know, but in general, if you're a parent and, uh, you know, or you're shopping for yourself, I'd like to know what, um, to what extent is there, uh, an impact on your decision-making, you know, when it comes to safety and marketing and all that. So let me know what you think. The uh, Twitter account is at hockey underscore locker. And the email is hockey locker podcast at gmail.com. Okay, that does it for episode six of the Hockey Locker Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I know we uh, went over kind of a dense topic uh, this time, but I appreciate you hanging in there. Um, I definitely want to uh, get your feedback on anything you've heard uh, and, more importantly, anything that you want to hear uh, in the future. As always, I want this um, show to be about uh, the topics that are most important to you uh, in the world of hockey gear and fitness uh, and training and, and all of those good things. So uh, until next time, I'm your host, The Flash. Have a good one. Time has come to